Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? But if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We are going to be looking at the scripture. Um, But if you would, get your Bibles ready to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, if you're a believer, I want you to understand what we're going to be looking at today is very important. All topics are important, but this one is extremely important. Because there is a war going on all around us, whether you believe it or not. There's a war raging around us. Spiritual warfare is all around us. Every believer, it's it's everywhere in the world. And some try to, you know, shun that and say, well, we don't need to focus on those weird and strange things, but understand it's true, whether you believe it or not. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, and we're going to see that today. But look, today we're going to be looking at the armor of God. It's his armor. And we're going to be looking at six physical pieces that are described in a physical way, six pieces of armor that need to be applied spiritually. And understand, six is the number of man. You understand this? We're carbon-based life forms. We're the crowning jewel of every carbon-based life form. Carbon is six on the periodic scale, on the atomic scale. Not only that, we were created on the sixth day. And we're commanded to work six days and rest. And you might say, well, that's 666. Well, yeah, well, even in Revelation, it says the mark of the beast is the number of a man. 600, six score, and six. So here's the thing. We're not the mark of the beast. I'm just saying six is the number of man in Scripture. But seven is the number of completion. And so here's the the amazing thing about this passage. A lot of people miss this. There are six physical descriptions of armor that need to be applied spiritually, but there's a seventh piece of armor that is described spiritually but needs to be applied physically. And we're going to look at that today. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read the first few verses, verses 10 through 12, and then we're going to dive in. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and we know your word will not return void. And Lord, we know this is an important topic We know that this is an important subject. This is an important battle. We need to understand that's raging all around us. And we need to be prepared. And so God, prepare us today. Help me to get out of the way. Help your people hear your word. God, help me to be faithful in delivering that. But God, just pour out your spirit upon each one of us. Drive away every demonic force, everything that would block our ears from hearing, that would block our hearts from receiving the message that you have for us today. God, we praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians. Ephesians is a remarkable book. Of course, you already know it's one of my top 66 favorite books of the Bible. 
It's an amazing epistle, though. It's a Pauline epistle and often called one of the prison epistles. And if you know anything about that, it's Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Those we, we generally call the prison epistles where Paul pinned those to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit while he was imprisoned, 60 to 62 AD. And these are amazing books. But the thing about this, now, the church in Ephesus and Philippi, Paul, he directly planted those churches on his second missionary journey. So he had connection with this church. He knew the leadership. He knew the people in this church well. He spent a couple years there, which we'll see, he caused a lot of trouble in a good way, which is what we should do. Turn the world upside down. Again, because it's already upside down, so what we're doing is turning it right side up. That's what Paul did in Ephesus. But Ephesus was a grandiose city. And I think this, uh, this book, getting, giving us some background of this and Ephesus itself is, is compelling because it reminds me a lot of maybe a letter that would, that would be written to America, the church in the United States, the church in Nampa, Idaho. Because understand, it was a very wealthy city. It was a beautiful city and yet it was full of darkness. It was known for its dark arts and its magic and its witchcraft, its cultic practices and its vain idols. And like sin, I've described it before, sin is this way. It's beautiful on the outside. It's appealing, but inside it's dark and it destroys and it's evil. But this, is, this city of Ephesus was in a wealthy province of Asia, which we know is modern-day Turkey. But it was, one of the, it was the third largest city in the empire. Over 200,000 people in this big, beautiful city that was just full of wealth and decadence. They had major buildings. They were, there were pillars that lined the streets. When you walked into Ephesus, you were awe-stricken. Your jaw would drop. And it had one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It had the temple to Artemis which is one of the seven wonders. And it had, it had this huge, quote-unquote, beautiful statue of Artemis, who also, you might know, is the goddess Diana, the goddess of sensuality and sexuality, really perversion. That's who Diana, the goddess Diana is, Artemis. And so they had this huge temple to Artemis, and it was well-known all over the world. Pilgrimages were made by thousands upon thousands of people seeking the blessing of Diana, of Artemis. And one of the major industries there was the silversmiths. And they would create these idols and these shrines to Diana, and they would sell them in abundance. But if you know anything, <laughs> there, were tr there was trouble because of that. And I'll come back to that, but here's the thing. The city of Ephesus was known for its athletic events. Now, stop me if you've ever heard this before. They entertained people with large venues, theater, and the arts, and entertainment with with athletics, and they would keep people occupied between athletic sporting events and the theatrical events and evil doctrine and idols and worshiping these, these people who they'd raise up as athletes and entertainers. I don't know. Does it sound familiar? So here's what they would do. They had this 24,000-seat theater. It's an enormous theater, and they would have these large events where thousands would attend. They would fill that place nearly every week for these different events. And to keep the people occupied. Now, if you read Acts 19, we know Demetrius, one of the silversmiths, was getting angry because as Paul was there for a couple years, he was very effective. Him and his whole team was very effective in preaching the gospel in this wicked place. So many people were coming to Christ that the silversmith industry plummeted. <laughs> they weren't selling their idols and their shrines like they once were. And Demetrius rose up a crowd against Paul's group, and they brought them all into this theater, and it seemed as if, if you read it in Acts 19, it seemed as if they might even kill Paul's group. And Paul wanted to go in there, and, and the people of Ephesus said, please, Paul, don't go in there. It'll make it worse. Sometimes that's just good advice, right? 
Uh, you know, for those of us who ever get in arguments with our spouse, sometimes, you know, you just make it worse. I'm, am I stepping on anybody's toes? Just step back. Don't enter the arena. It goes, it goes to say for any argument, right? <laughs> How come some of you are shaking your head and nudging the person next to you? <laughs> you guys. So, so here's the thing. But we know that story. Paul didn't go in. He took their advice. And then eventually the people of the city calmed everybody down. And they were able to leave safely. But this is the city of Ephesus. And Paul brought the light of Christ there. And like I said, for over two years, so many people were saved. And just know, know this letter to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus, this was a bit different. The Pauline epistles, most of them are written to the church. And we know it's usually correcting them, <laughs> chiding them for something they've got off into the weeds about or something they're not doing correctly. He would also commend them for things they were doing well. But this epistle is more like a manual for the Christian life. It was written to Gentile Christians to teach them powerful theology and doctrine and to show them how to walk it out, how to apply the scripture to their lives. So again, this is an amazing book. Now, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, you've heard of him. This is what he said about the epistle uh, to the Ephesians. He said this, the epistle to the Ephesians is a complete body of divinity. In the first chapter, you have the doctrine of the gospel. In the next, you have the experience of the Christians. And before the epistle is finished, you have the precepts of the Christian faith. Whoever would see Christianity in one treatise, let him read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the epistle to the Ephesians. <laughs> if you know anything about Charles Spurgeon, that's quite the Yelp review. <laughs> that's a five-star review right there. That is an amazing assessment of this epistle, and that's what it is. This is a powerful epistle, and it opens with the origins of the church. Ephesians opens with the origin of the church, and it goes into the context of the history of the church. It goes into the mystery in chapter 3, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ. In chapter 4, what that power means for us and how we're to apply it to our own lives, to walk it out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapters 5 and 6, he builds on all of that theology with practical application. He talks about, not to keep poking the bear here, but marriages <laughs> and how men are to die to self. And how women are to come under the covering of their husband. But the man, it's on you guys first. Just so you know, as Christ gave himself for the church, we're to die for our wives. <laughs> how come you guys aren't looking at me the same right now? <laughs> but he goes into this, and then he goes into practical, practical teaching about the application of children, respecting their parents. That's needed in these days, isn't it? And then also about... about uh, the, the employer-employee relationship, master-bond-servant, but that's really what it is. He does all of that. So it's all this theology, all this practical application. But then in chapter 6, after bringing all of that, after all that theology and doctrine and all that practical advice, he then tells us about the war we are in and why we need all that foundation. Why you need to understand, Christian, that we're in a battle. And understand, if we're living in the last of the last days, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> if you want to leave, you can. I understand. But here's the thing. I'm just telling you the truth. And we need to be prepared. We need to be Christians who are ready for battle, who are prepared so that we're not victims of the circumstance of the battle that's raging around us. And so Paul's going to give this instruction on how to be ready, how to prepare, and how to battle. And it's appropriate because in verse 10 here, as we look, he starts with the word finally. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in southeast Nampa, 
and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.